Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we're committed to resourcing people in worshiping God and serving others meaningfully for community transformation. Here is the week's teaching. I'm excited to be here. My name is Ivan Muhumuza Amoti, commonly known as Blessed Ivan. I'm excited to be back to Worship Harvest Nalia after a very short time away. Yeah, many things happened that you'll get to know of with time. Um, the last time I was here, I wasn't being recorded. So seeing this guy with the camera before me, <laughs> very busy recording me. Hey, yo, what's up? <laughs> Send greetings to my mama. She'd be cool like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, today we are continuing with our series, Grace So Amazing. And then we're going to look at we're going to read from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 22. Um, the title is Reconciling All Things. Reconciling All Things. Let's read together the very first verse. Everyone, let's go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. NKJV, if you want to add that. Um, so, we start today's sermon in the middle of a conversation, a letter that Paul was writing to the church at Colos. And the verses before that, he is telling them, he's telling them that they have been delivered, they've been translated from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of the devil into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. And he starts explaining, in this verse, he starts explaining what he means by that, what he means by they've been transferred from, how, how they have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And he starts by making this interesting statement, but says he is, he's talking about Jesus. He says he is the image of the invisible God. He calls Jesus the image of the invisible God. He's literally saying that Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. When we think of the Father, when we think of God, the, the closest picture we should have in our minds of God is the picture of Jesus. Not the Jesus with a beard that you watch in the movie. Not that one. Not the black Jesus. I'm told there is a black Jesus. But, <laughs> but the Jesus we read about in Scripture he is the perfect representation of God. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. When God wanted us to relate with him, when God wanted us to have rapport with him, when God wanted us to talk to him as bades, as friends, he created someone we could relate with. He created a person in, not in our image, but yeah, a person in human likeness. A person in human form. That is why when Jesus came, by the way, Jesus was 100% human. He had emotions. He used to shower, hopefully. He used to <laughs> go to the toilet. He was human. He would sleep. He cried. He would laugh. Like, he, he got angry at people and told him, get thee behind me, Satan. Like, he was human. He was 100% human. 
but he was also 100% God at the same time. He is the image of the invisible God. Whenever we think God, whenever we think about who God is, what God does, his nature, his actions, whenever we think about how God responds to sin, how God responds to um, different people, how God relates with people, how God talks to people, the closest picture we have that you and I can easily relate with is the picture of Jesus that is in Scripture. Because in there is detailed his life, in its fullness, how he did different, different things. And that picture in, in Scripture is not there for us to just look at and say, wow, that guy was spectacular. That guy was special. He did some incredible stuff. No. On top of helping us relate with him, he is showing us the picture of who we become, of who you become when you are in Christ, of who you become. He's showing us the picture of what you and I become when we are in Christ. The scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I'll read it just so I don't miss it. Hey, someone waits when I'm going to read the scripture, then they call. I bind. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the reason we see the image of Jesus, the reason we see the life of Jesus, the reason we see we have the image of the invisible God, apart from the fact that we need to relate with him in that manner, is that you and I, when we come to Christ, as we behold and relate with Christ, we are being transformed into the same image. In your spirit, in your spirit, you are just like Jesus. You have the attributes of Jesus in your spirit. When they put Jesus here and they put your spirit here, of course they can't separate them because the Bible says that whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. But when they put Jesus here and they put you here, your spirit, you are exactly the same. You have the same joy that Jesus has. You have the same love that Jesus has. You have the same faith in your spirit that Jesus has. You have the same peace. You have the same wisdom. You have the mind of Christ. When you read in scripture and it says that you have the mind of Christ, it is in your spirit. You are just, just like God in your spirit. But the reason scripture is there, the image is there, is so that as we study scripture, as we look at the life of Jesus, our actions, our flesh, starts conforming to what happened in our spirit. So we start manifesting the love. We start manifesting the joy. We start manifesting the wisdom. We start living in freedom, living in victory. That is what it means by being transformed into the same image. So they, he showed us the perfect image of who you and I should be. That is Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn 
over all creation. Because he's the firstborn, that means there are many other bones, right? Otherwise, they would have said he is the only born. He is the firstborn. That means you and I are just in the lineage with Jesus. If we are in Christ, are we still together? John 14, 9, Jesus is speaking to one of his disciples. So the scripture says, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has done what? Has seen the father. So how can you say, show us the father? If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the father. He is the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person. As Hebrews 1.3 says, that is Jesus. He is exactly, exactly like the father. And so he paints that picture for us. He comes, the word becomes flesh so that you and I can have a picture of God that we can relate with, one, but also two, that we might understand and see the image of who we are in the spirit and the image of who we are becoming in the flesh because of what Jesus has done. Colossians 1, 16 to 17. Let's read this together. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. So he's following the narrative. He has described Jesus as the perfect image of God. Now he paints Jesus not only as just the image of God, but the scripture says, for by him all things were created. He is the creator of all things, both in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. That means everything you see, you are created through him and you are created for him. Cockroaches were created through him and they were created for him. Doesn't the scripture say all things? Maggots were created through him and they were created for him. Some of you are not responding because I'm painting some good pictures of things you like. Um, <laughs> Birds were created through him, and they were created for him. Trees were created through him, and they were created for him. Businesses were created through him, and they were created for him. Everything we see on this planet was created through him. When the scripture says that, and in him all things, uh, and in him all things consist, that means he he is both the creator and the sustainer of everything that he has created. He is both the creator, he's both your creator and your sustainer. He's the one who sustains us. That is why, that is why we encourage everyone to be in Christ. Because without Christ, <laughs> you're not living the life you ought to live. You're not living the life. You're not experiencing the God life that you ought to be experiencing. Because he created us and he sustains us. He created everything and he sustains it. He gives life. He gives life to everything. 
At times I just stand and look at insects. And I'm like, the life of God is in these insects. That's why they are moving. That is why they never fail to have food to eat. God sustains them. So if God can sustain those insects, what makes you think he can't sustain you? What makes you think he can't sustain you? What makes you think he can't give you food? <laughs> what makes you think he can't make you prosperous? What makes you think he can't heal your body? Because he created it, he sustains it. The scripture says he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. Every single thing derives its life, its purpose, its direction from God. Last week we were at a road trip in, we went to Captura and I saw one of the most beautiful things I've seen in my life. Of course it comes way, 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 way after Bubby. Bubby is like those ends. Then this thing that I saw is somewhere there but it was beautiful. We went and saw CP Falls. If you've never been to CP Falls, you just need to go there. Like, it's a really beautiful place. So I stood and looked at these falls, 100 meters. The water comes from that rock 100 meters down. It comes from Mountain Elgon. I think it, we were told it comes down 73 meters for the first fall. I think 68 meters for the second fall. And then the very last fall, it drops down 100 meters. I just stood there and I was in awe of the beauty of God. I mean, he just said, let there be. And that fall appeared. And the rocks shaped themselves to that exact height. And the water from Mount Elkhorn started dropping down to that waterfall. The God who created that stuff lives in us, lives in you. He has sustained that waterfall from the time he said, let there be. Up to now. The God, the God who created the galaxies. The God who created the stars. The God who created all that beautiful stuff lives in you. He's the God who sustains your life. He is the God who sustains. Everything was created by him. It was created through him. And it was created for him. It was created for his glory. You were created for God's glory. You're not an accident. You didn't just appear out of the blue to just go through life as a statistic, as one of the six billion or whatever billion people we are on the planet. No, you were created for his glory. He had you in mind. You didn't come to earth by mistake. You were created by him. You are created through him and you are created for him, we need to move. John 1, 3 says, all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. Hebrews 1, uh, verse, is that verse 3? I don't see verse 3 there. But anyway, it says, through him also he made the world. He created everything. You know what this speaks to me? It speaks to me that Jesus is not only our friend, our savior, uh, our cool buddy that we talk to anytime. He is also our Lord. He is our Lord. He is your Lord. He ought to be your Lord. 
And that has implications. Very many implications. When you understand that Jesus is, yes, he is your friend, but he is also your Lord. It has many implications. That's one of the words we, we got yesterday when we were uh, enjoying season, no, the day of prayer. Yesterday, it was a really beautiful day. And one of the words was that we need to start understanding that Jesus is our Lord. The guy who created all this stuff, when he wakes up and he says, Ivan, do. Like, okay, yes, you can have the rapport and ask, but <laughs> I think it would be in your best interests to obey. And say, okay, I am going to, to do. Because you are my Lord. You are magnificent. You know all things from beginning to end. You've been to my future. You were there before I came on earth. You were in my past. You were generally everywhere. So it helps you if you relate with him as your Lord. Because he is indeed God. He is Lord. Yeah, for some of you here, God is telling you to be obedient. He has told you so many things and you've been running away. What excuses? Allowing your mind to talk you out of it. But he's telling you to be obedient. He is Lord. He is Lord. Sometime last year in November, after prayer, praise, and prophecy night, um, God told me <laughs> to fast the next day. Now, usually, uh, fasting <laughs> would have been an easy thing. But at the time, I was like, no way. We are just getting into December, Christmas time. Yo! I'm going to miss out on the food. He, he told me, fast and <laughs> don't stop until I tell you to stop. So I had to fast every day, every day. Of course, 12 hours, not continuous. 12 hours, have dinner. 12 hours, have dinner. Until he tells me to stop, I was like, no, Jesus, you must be joking. <laughs> the next day, I tried. I had an early breakthrough. I broke my fast at 1 p.m. lunchtime. I went and had lunch. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Grace is sufficient. I didn't have breakfast, but I had lunch. Man, it was heavy. It was so nice. The next day, I went to worship harvest in Tebe. To woke up in the morning, went to worship harvest in Tebe. And <laughs> I went through the service. I taught after teaching. We usually have some cool chapatis in worship harvest in Tebe. After garage, I looked at the chapatis. I said, Jesus, <laughs> thank you for creating these chapatis. They were created for you, <laughs> through you, and by you. And I'm going to buy some. So I bought some. My excuse was, let me buy some, and I distribute. And I bless people. So I bought five chapatis. I gave out three. I, I failed <laughs> to overcome the temptation of giving out the other two. So I kept them. And they are not like these chapati chapatis. They are really good and thick chapatis. So I kept the other two. I'm like, these ones I will eat. About six. Yeah? Six when I'm breaking the fast, I will start with the chapatis. So while we were in the vehicle coming back to Kampala at about three, ah, I say, Jesus, the grace is sufficient. I didn't have water. I didn't have nothing. I picked the chapatis one by one. I downloaded them into my system. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, I felt mm, 
Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but he had told me to fast until he tells me to stop. Then the next Monday, I'm like, ah, this day let me go. I went the full length up to six. And the rest of the days, it was easier. Then just when I was thinking it's time to stop, Moses sent a message on one of the groups, the location pastor's group. And he said, what's up, group? And he said, I, I strongly feel like God is telling us that we should fast from 25th to 31st. I'm like, I bind. <laughs> I bind, oh. Eh? I, you just told me to fast until you tell me to stop. Now you've just told me to stop. Now you've told Moses we need to fast until 31st. I'm like, no. And after that, we have season 21 in January. Immediately after New Dawn Camp, I'm like, no, I bind. I bind five times. I bind <laughs> seven times. So Christmas, I didn't fast. 26th, <laughs> food, <laughs> I didn't fast. 27th, I didn't fast. So 28th, I finally said, Omanichi. <laughs> I've finished eating the Christmas food. Now let me fast. <laughs> I need 28th after about 31st. But the moral of the story is that throughout that whole time, I think well, I didn't get over what, over what. All Jesus was teaching my heart was to understand that he is Lord. That when he tells me to do something, it's good for me to do it. He's not telling me because he wants to punish me or what. I mean, the guy who created all this stuff, when he tells you to do something, then it's, it's for your good. It's not for anyone's good. I just felt like sharing that story for some of you. God is telling you to do things, and you are postponing and allowing your mind to talk yourself out of obedience to God. Your victory is in the place of obedience to Jesus. That's where your victory is. That's where your progress is. Some of you, God is telling you to leave your workplace, your current workplace. It's holding you back. I need to switch over from that life. <laughs> from where I'd gone. But all things were made through him. They were made by him. He is Lord over all those things. And then this one got my blood boiling when I was reading the scripture. Colossians 1.18. Let's read this together. And he is the head of the body, the church he is the beginning. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence. He is the what? The head of the body. Have you ever imagined yourself without your head? Hmm? Do you want to try and imagine yourself without your head? How do you imagine yourself? Good question. Because the part that imagines is not there. <laughs> but for now, you have the part. Just imagine. How easy would it be for people to recognize you without your head? Hmm? They would be looking at something walking. Looking. They, they would not have the head also. <gasps> Maybe they would be doing hands, doing signs. But who would be seeing the signs? And who would be instructing the hand to do the sign? So realize that Life is close to meaningless without your head. Yes? When I was still younger, we, we had this thing. We, we, some friend of ours used to tell us that they would grab the chicken, slaughter it quickly, and just release it without the head to jump and dance and do what? 
So, uh, uh, one time, oh, by the way, your chicken goes through some painful process before it shows up in the fridge in the supermarket where you get it. Some of you have never slaughtered chicken. Yeah, but I hope we don't have any animal activists in here. So, <laughs> I, so when I was still younger, about, I think, P3, P4, I said, oh, yeah, let's try this out. Because we used to slaughter chicken every Christmas, every New Year's, every Easter. Guaranteed chicken. So you'd be looking forward, and I'm the firstborn at home, and I have four girls that follow me so generally as the one to slaughter the chicken. So I, one time I got my knife, very sharp, very sharp. So I got the hen, sorry if it's a bad picture for you, I got the hen, whoosh, and I just left it. And you should have seen it. It was jumping and dancing, directionless, purposeless, lifeless, just <laughs> jumping, swing wings, what? Ru- running, and, and people were running away. My sisters were running and screaming and what? Of course, I received a beating from my mom for doing that. But <laughs> it didn't have its head. So it was purposeless. It was directionless. Scripture says that he is the head of the body. Ah, one more example. On your ID, do you realize that it is your head that is on your ID? Imagine that it was your figure eight on your ID. How easy would it be for people to recognize you? Yeah? They just see a certain shape without the head. Because your identity is your head. Right? Your identity is your head. On your physical ID, you have your physical head. This verse says, and he is the head of the body. And what is that body? The church. That's you and I. So he he is the head of the church. On your spiritual ID, guess whose head is there? Guess whose face is there? Whose face is there? Jesus. When, When God pulls out your spiritual ID, Dennis, Emmanuel Dennis, Mahande, he does not see the nose face. He sees Jesus' face. Because he is the head. Your identity is found in Jesus. Your identity is found in Jesus before God. So when he looks at Jesus, he's like, yo, yo, this guy is so cool. Because of Jesus, because he's seeing Jesus' face. He is the head of the body. Your prophet, personal prophet. Yesterday I got to find out that people have personal prophets. In case you're one of those, your personal prophet is not the head of the body. By the way, it's not a good thing for you to have a personal prophet, according to scripture. But uh, that's not where I am. (laughs) I'm saying, your personal prophet or your pastor or whoever is not the head of the body. He is not. The head of the body is Jesus. Jesus is the head of the body. That means everything flows from him. He is the source of your direction. So when your head, who is Jesus, tells your hand to move, and then for you, you say, no, I won't move. <laughs> it's, it, it's like an oxymoron, like, right? Lord, no. Oxymoron. Google is your friend. That's in case you don't know what that means. Lord, no. He is the head. He is the source of your purpose. 
He's the source of your direction. He's the author of your life. Because usually when they chop off the person's head, the person is what? He's as good as dead. So when you're without Christ, what is your state? Dead. Motionless. Purposeless. He is the head of the body, the church. On your spiritual ID, the face that is there is the face of Jesus. And boy, it makes God happy. He's excited when he looks at the face of Jesus. Of course, you're in Christ. So when he looks at the face of Jesus, he has looked at you. When he's looking at blessed Ivan, he sees the name. Ivan Muhumuza, Amoti, blessed, and some other names. And he's like, man, that guy is so righteous. Just look at him. He's so pleasing. He's so wise. He's so victorious. He makes me happy. Do you know why? Because on my spiritual ID, the face that's there is not my face. It's the face of Jesus. So if you've never received Christ in your life, that is a very good reason for you to. Because he's the head of the body, the church. The church is lifeless without Christ. Purposeless without Christ. Motionless without Christ. Lost without Christ. So when you decide to cut off instruction and direction from your head, most likely <laughs> you're going to experience a hard life, I think. When your body tries to obey, like right now if I tell my feet to move the other side and then they decide not to move, there will be a higgy there. What someone called a crinkum crankum. That in all things, he is the firstborn from the dead, not the only born from the dead. That means you and I, scripture says we have been raised with Christ. That means he's not the only guy that was raised from the dead. I've met some people that say it's only Jesus, what? No. We are also raised from the dead with him in our spirits and will be raised on that day. The reason all this is so is that in all things he may have the preeminence. That he will be superior to all things. He will be superior. He will be first in rank. He will be superior to what the economists say about the economy. Yeah, the financial analysts will say, man, the Ugandan economy, over what? You can't start a business right now and it flourishes. Over you need to wait for A, B, C, D, E, F, G. <sighs> Scripture says that you will prosper. Whatever you touch shall do what? Shall prosper. So you choose who has the preeminence in all things. Is it Jesus? Is it his word? Or is it the report from your financial analyst that said your business is going to die? Or is it the report from the doctor that said, oh boy, you have that disease. You will never be well. No, 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 no. In all things, not just in spiritual things, in all things, he may have the word, the preeminence, that he may be superior to all things. So Jesus is superior to all things. He's superior to all people. The Greek word for all in that text is all. A-L-L. -L. That is the Greek word for all in there. <laughs> of course, it's not in Greek. But <laughs> I'm just trying to emphasize to you and let you know that Jesus is superior to all things. 
He's superior. He is superior to all things. He's superior to the government. The government does not have the final say. Jesus has the final say. The doctor doesn't have the final say. The teacher in class who said you are, you are a failure in life doesn't have the final say. Is that what Jesus says? If it's not, chuck it. Of course, that doesn't mean you shouldn't live with wisdom. But <laughs> I'm just trying to drill the point home that he is Lord. Right from the beginning, all things were created through him, for him, by him. He is the standard. He is the Lord. That in all things he may have the word, the preeminence. Jesus is superior to everything. To everything, to everyone. He's superior to the pastor, to the prophet, over to what? To the apostle, so and so. Whatever. He is superior to all things. Colossians 1, 19 to 20. Let's read this together. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. All the divine fullness of God is in Jesus. And you and I are in who? Are in Jesus. What does that mean? In your spirit, you have the divine fullness of who? Of God. It is there. The scripture says the fruit of the spirit. Because it is fruit, it is there. It just needs to manifest in your flesh. But in your spirit, it is there. For it pleased the Father that in him all things should dwell. All, all, all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was pleasing to the Father. He was, pleased. He, he was pleased. He was fully satisfied. The debt was fully paid. He is pleasing to the Father. And because he is pleasing to the Father... You and I are pleasing to the Father. He's excited about you. You are pleasing to him. You are righteous. You are forgiven. You are, I mean, he looks at you and he's, he thinks you're the best thing that ever happened to this planet. That's what Jesus thinks. Because, that's what God thinks. That's what Jesus thinks. Because you are in him. For it pleased him that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him... To reconcile all things to himself. I'm going to invite an accountant to help me with that because accounts was not one of my good strength in school. Yeah, commerce, accounts, history, geography, those subjects were just, yeah. I, I, when you look at all my papers, you'll find that I, I, I failed those ones the most. I performed better in the other, other subjects because they made me happier. I didn't understand why I was studying Sundiata Keita. Where was that one from? Then Mansa Musa. Uh, Zwangendaba. Did you guys? <laughs> Zwangendaba. Over what? I, I just didn't click why I was studying all that stuff. Yeah, so, so the, word, the reason I'm saying that is the, the word reconcile here, Priscilla, Priscilla, please come. 
We see that he's one of our best accountants in this place. Watch together. <laughs> yeah, the word reconcile that is used in this text. Now, when I was studying, I found that it is from a Greek word. A Greek word I don't remember, but it starts with, it is K-A-K-A. It has a P-O-L-L-O-S somewhere. I don't remember it. Full, but it had, the spelling was like that. Kakapolos. Hmm? Kakapolos. <laughs> it's, it's a term that is used in accounting. The word reconciling books of, account, of accounts in accounting comes from that word. And it's the same word used here. So I first, I need someone to give us the accounting perspective. Then we are going to relate it to what the scripture says. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. I will not use the accounting terms. Um, so reconciling is basically bringing your books into agreement. For those that have businesses, and you, have, you definitely have a business bank account, you get bank statements, but then there is someone in your office in your, in your office or yourself that records all your incomes and your expenses. So reconciling is basically making sure that what your bank statement says is what you have in your books. It might be that you have it in Excel or any of the accounting packages, but it, at the end of the day, they have to be in agreement. If your bank balance is 300 million, it must also be reflected this side that you have 300 million. So that's basically. Thank you. Show her some love. Hope you also like me, you didn't click accounting. Even the simple explanation has. has yeah. So, she uses the bank statement as a standard, like a pace for you to, like you reconcile your accounts to that bank statement, if the bank statement is the standard. That means the bank statement is perfect, I'm told, because bankers cannot rob themselves. They never want to lose anything. So their records are usually very good and perfect. Yeah, so the bank statement would be like the standard. And you would be making sure that your statements, like your expenditures, what are telling with what the bank statement says, right? In this state, the scripture says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. That means the standard was who? Himself. The standard is Jesus. He is the brightness of his image. What in him all things consist is the image of God. He is the standard. Everything. He is the standard. And so, the reason he died on the cross is so that he can get to reconcile all things back to him. Because in him all things consist, right? To get everything, to get you and I to have a record as perfect as his record of accounts. To get you and I to have a perfect record. If Christ has no sin on his account, when, he, when the scripture says we are reconciled to him, what does that mean? That means that we also have no sin on our account. We are as righteous as he is. He has reconciled us to himself. 
Because he is the standard. He has reconciled all things. He didn't say all people. Everything. Reconciled back to who? To himself. To God. Friends, you and I are reconciled to God. When, when God looks at the record, let's say God is the business owner. And he comes and he looks at the bank statement. Who is Jesus? And he looks at our statement. Let's say we are the business managers. When he looks at both statements, they are exactly the same. Exactly the same. That's good news, by the way. Really good news. They're exactly the same. Why? Because Christ has, he, he came and looked at our accounts and we were falling way short, way short. And he came and patched up everything. He, he, uh, no, he didn't even patch up. He took away the bad book of accounts and he gave us his book of accounts. So we have his book of accounts. Like we have the bank statement. It is, we, we have Jesus? Exactly. So we are reconciled to God. We are reconciled to him. We are forgiven. We are free. We are healed. If Jesus has no disease, that means you and I all have no disease. We can walk in divine health. If Jesus is prosperous, that means you and I can be prosperous. If must be. If Jesus is wise, that means you and I must be wise. Why? Because he has reconciled all things. All things to himself. All things. Not some things. All things. So if you're in Christ, you are reconciled to God. You are reconciled to Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> Reconcile all things to himself by him. Whether things on earth or things in heaven. Having done what? Having made peace through the blood of his cross. He made peace. God has no beef with you. God is not angry at you. God is not waiting for you to make the next mistake and whip you with sin and disease. That's a, a lie of religion. He loves you so much. You're so pleasing to him. He has reconciled you to himself. You're just like him. If you are in Christ. And it is a permanent reconciliation. No one can revoke it. As he is, the scripture says, 1 John 4, 17, love and love has been perfected amongst us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. He has reconciled us to himself. We are exactly as he is. And he has made peace. You have no beef with God. A young man wants to come up and help me preach this point. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love 2 Corinthians 5.18-19 that says, Now all things are of God. Who has done what? Who has reconciled us to himself? Through Jesus Christ. Not through our works. Not through our good performance, but through Jesus Christ. And what has he done? He has given unto us the ministry of 
Reconciliation. And what is that ministry? That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of what? That's why we say church begins on Monday. Because we need to go and reconcile the world. And put it back into the glorious harmony of what Christ intended it to be. And, and help people know that once they come to Christ, they are reconciled. They, they <sighs> <laughs> we need to reconcile BBC to Jesus. And start broadcasting some good news. Consistently. We need to reconcile governments to Jesus, especially a government in a certain country that I know of. We need to reconcile the, gov the, the leadership in the government to Jesus because he is a standard. We need to reconcile ma our marriages to Jesus. That is why you need to go for fireplace. Anyway, <laughs> you, do, you don't need to miss fireplace. We need to reconcile. We are reconciled. Yes, we have been reconciled. Tick, 100%. Emoji, this one. Now we need to go and reconcile everyone. Reconcile the whole world. Young, old, what, what. Reconcile swamps that have been where people have constructed. Reclaim them. That's what we need to do. Reconcile sanity in people's minds when they are driving on the road. Do you know that it is... <laughs> <laughs> we need to reconcile the world to Jesus. That's why we say church begins on Monday. And Sunday is garage time. This is a good time for you. You are reconciled. So you can go and reconcile everything to Jesus. So you can reconcile your business to Jesus. So you can have the proper accounting principles of Jesus. I think he's the greatest accountant that has... Grace our planet. And, and that he may have the preeminence in all things. You know, at times we over-spiritualize Jesus. Eh? Over-spiritualize him. But his day-to-day -day stuff. That we might reconcile the world to himself. He has given to you and I the word of reconciliation. Um, Colossians 1, 19-22. Let's read this together. And you... Who once, I can't hear you, let's start again. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. In his sight. I was just excited about holy, blameless, above reproach. In his sight. You and I, that was our state before we received Christ, when we were still in the kingdom of darkness. We were alienated. We were enemies in our mind. We were enemies of God. Because of our wicked works, because of the law, because of the sin nature that was in us. Yet now, he has, not he will, when we do good. He has already reconciled in the body of his flesh and of his flesh through death. And he has reconciled us to do what? To present you and I holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. 
Friend, you are holy. You are holy. You are a saint. Yeah, you are a saint. It's not just reserved for some people who die and then after what people experience miracles over from where? What? No, 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 no. According to Jesus, you are a saint. You are holy. You are blameless. You are above reproach. Like above. If reproach is there, you are above it. It can't come close to you. And whose work is that? It is the work of Christ. It's not your work to make you holy. The scripture says he is the one who does what? Who presents us to present me. So Jesus grabs me and he presents me to God. And he says, oh, by the way, this is Ivan Muhumuza, Amorti, blessed Ivan. He is holy. He is blameless. He is above reproach. He is righteous. He is forgiven. He is victorious. He is very wise. He is very rich. He is healed. He is all those things. And then he gives him the ID. Gives me my spiritual ID. And when I look at it, I see the face of Jesus. Because I am above reproach. He has presented me. It's not my work to work out my, my salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, some of you are saying, yes, but it is in the Bible. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Have you ever finished the verse? The verse ends by saying, for it is who? God. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So who is presenting who? He's the one presenting you. He's the one presenting you. Friends, this is who we have become in Christ. We are reconciled. We are reconciled to God. We are reconciled. We are just like God. Don't allow the enemy deceive you. Don't allow to fall for condemnation. Don't, don't live a life less than what Christ has paid for. Don't allow yourself to live that life. Because he has reconciled you. He has paid the ultimate, ultimate price. Let's read this statement together, even as we conclude. By grace, Jesus Christ has reconciled all things back to God and has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. God bless you. Do you have, do we have any people with questions, comments, additions? You'd like to add something? Maybe you disagree. It is okay here to disagree. We'll respectfully disagree with you. If you have comment. Thank you, Ivan. Uh, today, a scripture connected uh, sec- First Corinthians 2.16. I think it is. The one that talks about for who shall instruct the Lord. Uh, but we have the mind of Christ. And I was always wondering. That scripture to, to me today came alive. Because the Bible, we have just been hearing that we are the what? We are the body and Christ is the, the head. So the way we have the mind of Christ is because he's actually the head. So we have the mind of Christ. But you must reconcile the, to the fact that your old man died. The new you is just the body attached to the head of Christ. Hallelujah. 
So you have the mind of Christ. So start walking with that understanding. I have them. You know all things. Man, man, man. You have the mind of Christ. Peter, you want to say something? You come. <laughs> I want to give the Luganda word for a body without a head. She would do, would do. I don't know what's called in other languages. It is a word word. She would do, would do. It's not even called a person. It is a she would do, would do. Now, I don't know what it's called. In my language. <laughs> I know it in Luganda. I don't know it in any other language. So friends, you and I have been reconciled to God. He loves us so much. I'm going to invite us to stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for reconciling us back to you. Thank you that you present us holy, blameless, above reproach. Thank you for the sacrifice at Calvary. Thank you for this holy communion that we are going to have. That is a reminder of <laughs> what you've done for us. That, it, that is a reminder of the reconciliation through the body of your flesh. Thank you that even as we have it, that reconciliation will be manifest in our lives. It will be manifest in our bodies. It will be manifest in our families. It will be manifest in our children. It will be manifest in our businesses. It will be manifest in our minds. Our minds will become active. We'll have the supernatural wisdom of God. It will be manifest in, in our communities. It will be manifest wherever we are. Thank you that that reconciliation is manifest. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you are at the center of everything that we do. We receive this holy communion with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone can have the communion. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0312-281-555.